Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be hearing from our senior pastor, James Aiden. Hey, welcome to Favorite Church Online. I'm so glad that you're here. If we've never met, I'm James, and I'm a part of the team at Favorite Church. And, uh, and I'm just glad that you have given us your time today to join us in church. You know, the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been talking about favor together, and I hope that you are watching with someone, if you can, if you have the ability, because we are getting ready to come back to church. I don't know if you felt it uh, on, on the screen, wherever you're watching from, but worship today was just amazing. The presence of God was here, and as I was worshiping, I felt just in my spirit I, this excitement and this joy to get back to meeting together. Now, church never stopped in the last seven months because we've been the church the whole time, but there's something special, so much so that the Bible talks about not giving up meeting together. There's something special when we come together. So I wanna encourage you, if you can, watch church together, get together and get ready. We got some incredible, exciting news that we're trying to work on just to finalize about our church in the next season, a venue, all that kind of stuff. So stay tuned. It's going to be really good. But I want to kind of continue today preaching in line with what I preached on the last two weeks. And the last two weeks, if you haven't watched it, I want to encourage you, get on YouTube, watch my two sermons from the last two weeks. But I've been talking about a call to holiness. And holiness is a real interesting thing because so many times it can be misrepresented. It can be uh, uh, holiness can be misrepresented as legalism. People shy away from it. They get scared about it. But the only way that you can live a holy life is if you have first encountered Jesus and been saved by Jesus. Uh, holiness and the life that you live, a life that is becoming like Jesus, can only happen once you've had an encounter with Jesus, repented of your sins, given your heart to him. Your holy life can never earn you salvation. It's actually your salvation that earns you the opportunity to live a holy life. Uh, last week, we talked about how when you're under the cover and the covering of Jesus, your holy lifestyle actually attracts the favor of God. It attracts the blessing of God. It doesn't attract the salvation. It doesn't attract more of his love, but it attracts his favor and his blessing. And so today, I wanna kind of continue in this theme, and I wanna talk about the thing that stops us from living a holy life. The title of my message today is Overcoming Temptation overcoming temptation. Uh, We all struggle with temptation. We're going to talk a lot about that. But my biggest temptation in my life right now is is food. Uh, I don't know if it's COVID. Uh, I want to blame COVID. I don't think it is COVID. But I've had this struggle with food that has gone on for probably the last sort of 12 years of my life as my metabolism has begun to just slow down. Uh, when I hit the age of 35, I feel like it really picked up its pace of slowing down and I get tempted with food. Now, when I talk about overcoming temptation today, I'm not talking about that temptation that every single person has whenever we want that burger or that ice cream or that fatty food. Come on now, fried food, fried chicken. 
uh, whatever you like to eat. I'm not talking about a temptation like that. I'm talking about spiritual temptation that comes into your life. But because I struggle with food, I'm going to talk about my temptation with food today throughout my whole sermon. I want to read from Luke chapter 4. I want this to be the text that we really pull uh, these thoughts from today. It's an incredible story about Jesus and the devil. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. You can follow on the screen or you can look it up in your own Bible. It says this, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the river Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Everyone say, led by the Spirit. Where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no! The Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. And I will give it all to you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect and guard you. Isn't that amazing? The devil knows the word of God better than some of us Christians. It's quoting it. And they will hold you up in their hands and so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, scriptures also say that you must not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Isn't it amazing that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into this temptation? You can be in the middle of the will of God being led by Jesus, and you will still face temptation. Just because you face temptation doesn't mean you're outside the will of God. Temptation has been around a long time. In fact, it's been in our earth since the very beginning, back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. They fell for a lie from the devil who was disguised as a snake. He was tempted them. He tempted them with a lie that they could have God-like status. Instead of having a God-like status, it ended up leading to sin and ultimately death and separation from God. But before we get into how we can overcome temptation, we've got to understand what temptation is. And the first thing that I want to say to you today, because I want to just take off pressure, I want to release you, some of you people that have been living under the wrong thinking, and it's simply this, is that temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. That's good news. So that means that crazy thought you had, that dirty thought you had, that thought you had in your mind to do something bad or do something wrong, just because you had that thought doesn't make you a sinner. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. I love this verse so much. It says, for we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Isn't this amazing that the Bible says so clearly that Jesus was tempted in every way like you and I have been tempted, but he didn't sin. That shows me two things. Number one, how amazing that we serve a God and a Savior who knows what we're going through. That struggle that you've got in your life, that temptation that you're going through, he knows it. He's been through it. Our Savior, Jesus, went through puberty and dealt with hormones. 
Come on, some of y'all just said amen because that's the first time you ever realized that Jesus had hormones and he dealt with puberty, right? Jesus has been through all the temptations. That just makes it so much easier for me to connect with my Savior because when I pray and I say, hey, help me with what I'm going through, he knows what I'm going through. But it's so clear. He said he was tempted, but he didn't sin, which means this, your temptation isn't sin. The original Greek word that's used in Luke chapter four and used to talk about tempting is this word called pirazo. Pirazo, right? <laughs> Trying to speak Greek for a moment. And, uh, and this is where we get this word temptation from. One of the meanings that comes from this word is also test. It's this great word, test. And, and so temptations, they're not a sin. In fact, temptations are a test. A test of what? It's a test of our spirit and our character that comes from the devil and comes from our flesh. Remember last week, I talked about Galatians chapter five. You can go back and read it in your own time, the fruits of the spirit. But in that little section of scripture, I I read from it that there is a constant battle, a war going on between our flesh and between our spirit. And we will constantly be in that battle until the day we die, which means this, we will constantly be tempted until the day we die. And we see this in the end of this story in Luke chapter four, where the devil leaves and he comes, he's waiting for the next time that he can come back and get Jesus. Temptation is not a one-time thing. It's a constant test of every area of our spiritual life and our walk with Jesus that will be with us until the day we die. So so how does temptation then play out? Well, James chapter one gives us a pretty good indication here. It says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has, has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it's full grown gives birth to death. Here's seven quick steps of temptation. Ready? The first one is this, is that when we get tempted, the thought of evil comes into our mind. Always starts with a thought, not yet sin, just a thought. That's all it is. It's just a thought. Then what happens is, is that that thought sticks in our mind and we're drawn away and we begin to imagine what that thought would look like. Uh, A pastor that's very dear to us, Pastor David Storr, would always talk about temptation in this way, that it's like thought bubbles that would go by. Have you ever seen like a child or a cat with the bubbles? And they're like, you know, and it's like this, this bubble, this thought bubble comes and it's a temptation. It's steal this, do that, have that, go over there. And this temptation comes in. And that temptation doesn't mean that it's sin, but what begins the process of leading to sin is if we grab that thought and we bring it down and we begin to think on it and we begin to imagine what it's like, then all of a sudden it begins to feed our desires for it. And it moves from your imagination now into your heart. And now what was just a thought that you had in your heart, now it's, oh, I'm beginning to desire this. And then desire leads to this enticing where it becomes the weakening of our will. Now, for some people, this process that I've just described happens in a millisecond. (laughs) Thought, bubble, imagination, heart, desire. I'm weak, right? It happens Some people can happen in a second. For other people, it can take years and decades. The entice, the weakening down of it, for some people, it can actually take decades to weaken them down. And once they've weakened, what happens? Then lust 
is conceived and it's a yielding, that lust to feed our own desire, it's yielding to our desire and carrying out the thought. And once we've now carried out the thought, that is when we have acted sinfully. We have missed the mark of what God would want us to live. And that sin, like James said, when it's fully grown, it leads to death. And what's death? It's not a physical death. It's a spiritual death, separation from God. Temptation isn't just a simple thing that happens. It's a step-by-step process. But how does it start? With just a thought bubble that goes through your mind. So how does the devil tempt? Well, let's look at the story. And I'll pull out three thoughts here. Is number one is that temptation comes when we are vulnerable. It's amazing that Jesus, the son of God, the savior of the world, he was hungry, right? Now he's fasting for 40 days. He is hungry. And it's just so amazing that the devil came to him precisely at the moment of his hunger and tempted him to turn that stone into bread. Temptation often comes when we are tired, when we are hurt, when we are heartbroken, when we're going through a tough time. Many of you are saying amen in your rooms right now because you know what I'm talking about. I know that when I'm tired, temptation comes in to eat fast food. Why? I don't want to cook anything nice. I just want to, my temptation starts, when, when I have church, right? We'll have church and I'll get in my car to drive home. My temptation starts on the way to the car because in my head, I'm thinking I could go to McDonald's. Then I get in my car. It's like I could go to McDonald's and I start driving. I'm like, I could go to McDonald's right now. And then I start thinking thoughts like, no one will know. (laughs) I could get a breath mint so my wife doesn't even know that I've been to McDonald's, right? Have you ever had this when you get home, my wife, and she kisses me? She's like, (laughs) did you go to McDonald's on the way home? And what happens? I'm tempted to lie straight away to keep my marriage intact, right? But never lie, right? When I'm tired, I get tempted. Here's what it says in 1 Peter. This is describing the devil. It says this. Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. This is what's amazing about that scripture. Number one, you're not alone. There's people all over the world in family of believers that are going through the same thing. And number two is this, the devil is like a lion prowling around, looking to who him can devour. And he's looking for you and he wants to devour you. He's looking for it. It might not be Satan himself because he can only be in one place at one time. And if it is, wow, that means you're a pretty big deal if Satan himself, but his demons, the world, it's a sinful world that we live in. It's coming around and it's coming prowling around looking to get us. And so they look for the opportune time. They look for it when we're tired. Temptation will come to offer you the easy way out, but stay strong. Know that he's a prowling lion coming at you. Number two is this, is that the enemy mixes truth with deception. Satan subtly mixes truth and error in an attempt to deceive Jesus and an attempt to deceive you and me. In in Satan's second temptation, he offers Jesus the world right? He offers Jesus the world. And now you're thinking, well, how can he do that? He doesn't have the right to do that. Actually, he does. Jesus himself 
calls in John 12, 14, and 16, uh, you can look it up. He calls Satan the ruler of the world. Now, albeit at best, his rulership of the world has been delegated to him by God, and it's just temporal leadership because it's going to be ripped off him at some point. But this is what he does. He takes a, a generous position of being the ruler of the world, and he offers the worldly authority to Jesus, which is actually the truth. He can do that, but he, so that's the truth. That's the little subtle truth that he does, but he mixes it with the deception that by Jesus worshiping him, that he'll actually take on the rulership of the world. I mean, this is what happened in the original temptation in, with Adam and Eve, is that Satan did the exact same thing. Satan was right in telling Eve that she would not die if she ate the apple. She ate it and she didn't die. And also he was right in telling her that she would become like God in knowing good and evil. Th those are actually truthful statements, but it's not the whole truth. It's truth mixed with deception because even though she would not die physically, what happened? She died spiritually. And separation came between her and God because she ate that apple. Yes, she became like God knowing good and evil, but that was never the intention of God. And look at the harm that that's done our planet in the last 6,000 years of human existence us thinking we know what good and evil is and determining what good and evil is. We were never meant to have that power. With both Eve and Jesus, he sprinkles a little bit of truth on top of the deception cake. That's what I said even last week for those that, that watched that message, that the best place that the devil can have you in is you thinking that you're being blessed by God when you're not living a holy life. Because you look at it and go, wow, I'm getting the blessing, I'm getting the blessing. But it's not the blessing of God. It's just good things that are happening to you. If you're not living a holy life, you're not going to get the blessing of God. Just like the clickbait headlines of today. Clickbait. What, what? The clickbait. It's never the truth. It's just a headline to grab your attention. But the problem is people don't read the article. They just read the headline and they retweet the headline. And they got no idea. Buried in the article is the truth somewhere down there. But they don't care about the truth. They just want the clickbait. They just want you to retweet it. They want to create hysteria. And that's what the devil does. He gives you the clickbait. The truth. Oh, he gives you a little bit of the truth. But it's built on deception. Going back to food. Ever seen those things? Now, 40% less fat than before. Right? How much fat was in it originally? because there's still a lot of fat in it and it still tastes good. What? It's a little bit of truth. Yeah, it's 40% less fat, but it's still deception. There's still a lot of fat in there. Don't let the devil mix subtly that truth with deception. Number three, how does he do it? Temptation, the devil. Temptation always shows us the pleasure, but never the pain. The, the, the devil's like a credit card. Right? Buy now. Think about the consequence later. And in the meantime, don't read all the terms and conditions that, that have the interest rate that doubles and triples and quadruples and this that you're signing your life to. That's what he is. He's a credit card. Buy now. Think about the consequence later. With Jesus, this is what he says to me. He says, worship me and I'll give, this is the pleasure. Worship me and I'll give you the world. But we don't see the pain that that would cause because that would create a distance and a breaking of the relationship between the father and the son. 
If Jesus had bowed down and worshiped Satan, he would have got control of the world in that moment, but that would have broken the relationship between him and his father. And it would have ruined his mission as the savior of the world. Temptation shows us the pleasure of adultery, but it never shows you the pain of a broken family. Never shows you the pain of your children in 10, 20, 30 years having to deal with an adulterous father or an adulterous mother. Man, you see the pleasure. Temptation shows you the pleasure, but it doesn't show you the pain of your kids ignoring you or, or not treating you right because of the hurt and pain that they feel. Temptation, it shows you the pleasure of making money through corrupt means, but it never shows you the pain of the people that you're ripping off or the country that you're screwing over just so you can get more money. It'll show you the pleasure. It'll dance in front of you with the pleasure, but you'll never see the pain of it until it's too late. Temptation will show you the pleasure of the substances, but it'll never show you the pain of addiction. And I've said it many times and I'll say it again. If the consequences of sin were immediate, no one would ever do it. And what the devil comes in, he comes in and he shows you all the pleasures. He shows you what you can have and this is it. And this is amazing. And look at this, but he will never, ever show you the pain of the sin. You know, there's a great saying when it comes to food. Moment on your lips. Lifetime on your hips. Come on now. When you're eating something good, all you're thinking of is the pleasure. You're not thinking about the pain that you're going to have to experience in the gym tomorrow or the pain of buying new clothes because you got to buy new clothes, right? You're not thinking about it. You're just thinking about the pleasure. That's what the devil does. The devil comes in. He shows you that pleasure, but he doesn't show you the pain. So how do we overcome temptation? How do we overcome temptation? Because temptation when we pull it down, when we begin to imagine, when the imagination comes into our heart, becomes a desire, it becomes enticing, it weakens our will, and then we end up saying, how do we overcome it before it can even be pulled down into our mind? Well, let's look at how Jesus did it. The first point is this, is that we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the first verse in Luke chapter four, verse one. It gives us that clue. It says, then Jesus, what was he full of? Full of the Holy Spirit. If you're not full of the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're full of something else. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever you wanted to fill in the blank of that, that's your prerogative to say whatever you're full of. But if you ain't full of the Holy Spirit, you're full of something else. And if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be so hard to overcome temptation. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to be full of the Holy Spirit, how much more you and I need to be full of the Holy Spirit? And here's the great news about fighting and overcoming temptation. We don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do it in our own willpower. I've been saying this the last two weeks about living a holy life. We have a helper. We have an advocate. Jesus. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father right now, praying and petitioning on our behalf. He has sent his helper in the Holy Spirit to help us overcome temptation. So how do we overcome? We got to be filled with the Spirit. 
Acts chapter one tells us that when we're filled with the Spirit, we'll receive power. Galatians five tells us that the Holy Spirit will produce good fruit in our lives. First John chapter four, verse four says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Our first line of defense when it comes to overcoming temptation has to be filled with the Spirit. Not going to church. You can sit in church all day long, but if you ain't filled with the Holy Spirit, that's like sitting in a car with no gasoline. What's the point? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed it. As he walked into temptation, what was he? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Second thing is this, is that we have to spend time alone with God in his presence. The next bit of that verse, verse one, what did it say? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know, when you spend time with someone, you get to know them. It's the only way that you can really get to know someone. You can read about someone. You can, you can look up their Wikipedia if they have a Wikipedia or their Facebook. You can stalk their Facebook, you know, like many of you do. Uh, and, uh, you can get to know someone that way, but you don't really know someone until you really begin to spend time with someone. How do we get to know God? By spending time in his presence. Jesus was going out on, on the crest of the three years of ministry that would turn the whole planet upside down, that we're here 2,000 years later preaching about this man, right before he stepped into the greatest mission that the world has ever seen. What did he do? He got away from everyone so that he could chill with his dad so that he could spend time in the presence of his father. He knew his father's will. Why? Because he spent time in prayer. He spent time with the father in his presence. When you are in the presence of God, it fills you up and it gives you strength to stand against temptation. Now, it's easy for me just to say, spend time in the presence of God, right? But life is life. You got kids, kids are kids. You got a job, you got busyness, things are happening. It's tough sometimes to carve out time and space in order to spend time in the presence of God. And for a lot of us, it's been made even harder in COVID because we used to look forward to coming to church because at least we'd have a couple of hours at church to spend time in the presence of God. But can I tell you what you value, you will prioritize. And so if you value the presence of God, you will somehow prioritize spending time with them. And I want to challenge every person watching today, value the presence of God. Value knowing him. Why is it so important to know him? Because when you know him, you know what he wants. And you know what he loves. Third point is this is that we got to be prepared for the next temptation. How do we overcome temptation? We got to be prepared for the next one that's coming. Luke 4 verse 13 said, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him when? Until the next opportunity came. Like I've already said, temptation is not a one-time event. It's something that you're going to be faced with, that I will be faced with for the rest of our lives. The devil is coming back, so we have to be prepared. You know, it, it, uh, if I could, I would use this as an example, but I can't because of COVID. But let, uh, let's talk about punching someone because uh, <laughs> COVID's the reason why I can't do it. Uh, but if I punch, maybe John, come here socially. John, come and socially distance yourself from me. 
Um, so, so let's say, uh, let's say, John, can you, uh, can you just turn around for a second, right? Now, if John's just standing there, right? Now, 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 roll me. If John's just standing there and he's lo- loosening up your body a little bit, like you're, like you're, you know, having a good time, life's good, you know. If I just came up behind John like this and I just punched John right there in the head, right? I'd knock him out. Why? Number one, I'm pretty big. I, I got a past covered by the blood of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It's, I'm pretty good. Uh, also, I have a big ring. That's why I have a big ring there. So number one, I, I would knock him out. But number two, you know why I really knock him out? Because he would have no idea it was coming. And he won't be able to prepare for it. Turn around, John. Now, now honestly, if I told you this, like if I came up to you, and you are so loyal to me that you would let me do this. No, but if I came up to you and I said, John, I'm about to punch you in the stomach. How would you stand right now? Right? Instantly, what did you just do? You, 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 you leant forward. You Brace. crunched your abs. You braced for it. You knew it's coming. So if I come up to you, right? And I punch you, right? You took that. Why? You were prepared for it. You were braced for it. I am amazed. Listen to me. I'm amazed at how many Christians never brace for the attack of the devil that has been promised us. And sometimes because we feel like we're covered by the blood of Jesus and protected and covered, and we are, and the devil's already lost the war. But what does the Bible say in 1 Peter? Be careful. He's prowling around like a lion. He's coming. And so when we know that it's coming again, what do we, brace. Make sure you're in the best position. Make sure you know what's happening when it comes to our marriage. Thank you, John. Well done. Good job. Way to take that punch. Yeah. I want you to know that was only about 5%. That was only, that was, that was only 5%. Uh, I mean, let me talk about my marriage in a second. Jesus teaches us to brace for temptation. You know how? A little thing called the Lord's Prayer. What does he say? Lead us not into temptation. A prayer as he teaches us how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as in heaven. Jesus, give us today our daily bread. And forgive us of our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. And then I nearly forgot to forgive people. And then what does he do? So as he teaches us to pray, what does he say? He teaches you to get ready and lead us not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. When I have this stance of preparedness, it doesn't mean fear. I'm not fearful. It just knows I know the devil's going to hit me at some point, but I'm going to be ready. That's why, you know, Kate and I in our marriage, one of the things, and, and again, I can only talk from personal experience, but In our marriage, we've made the decision to put really strict boundaries in our marriage when it comes to relationships outside of each other. And so particularly with me, uh, you know, uh, are the boundaries that we've put in place with my relationships with females in particular is really strong. Why? Because even though I think that I could trust myself, I don't need to be Superman. And I'm not Jesus. Much as I got the Holy Spirit inside of me, I ain't Jesus, right? He got through his whole teens without doing anything wrong. I, I failed a few times, right? And so, I, and so what we've decided to do is instead of me just walking around like this, hoping that no one punches me in the back, 
We've decided that we're going to put boundaries in place. It doesn't mean that I'm afraid, but it means that I'm ready. So that if something happens, if something comes in, it doesn't matter. I'm already ready. It's not going to knock me down. It may punch me, but it won't knock me down. I'm prepared for the temptations. So what do I do? I, I prepare for them. I make sure that when the temptation comes, I can do what we talked about last week. And this isn't a point, but it should be a point is this. I can flee. Last week, we talked about this. Paul says, flee sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians. Joseph fled out of the room when temptation came through Potiphar's wife. So if we know that the temptation is going to be coming, we can already get started on the running. Instead of being flat foot like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> As a youth pastor, all the time, with teenagers, they'd always say to me, I, 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 it, just, it just happened. I don't, I don't know how it happened. And I wanted to, well, not wanted to, I did. I said, let me explain how it happened. <laughs> it didn't just magically happen. You made choices and decisions. And it started with you weren't expecting the temptation, so you weren't ready to flee. And we got to be prepared for that next temptation, just like Jesus was. The last thing is this, this is my favorite point. Other than be filled with the Holy Spirit. So really, this is my second favorite point out of four uh, is this, is that if we want to overcome temptation, that we have to know the word. We got to know the word. That every time a temptation came, Jesus did not respond with a clever thought, with a great philosophical idea, with a self-help mantra of, I will not listen. I will be centered. I will not listen. I will be. He didn't do anything like that. Do you know what he did? You know what he did? You know what he did? He replied with the word of God. Verse four, but Jesus told him, no, the scripture says. Verse eight, but Jesus replied, the scriptures say. Verse 12, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say. After having the Holy Spirit inside of you, the greatest weapon that you can have against temptation is knowing the word of God, letting it come alive, not just in you, but through you. Why? Because temptations come to test you and to challenge you on what you stand for and what you believe. And how can you stand and believe something if you don't know it? There's just things sweeping the world right now relevant relativism having relative truth right what's relative truth an oversimplified definition of it of relative truth is that truth can differ according to your individual viewpoint so whatever is true to me because of my context because of my culture because of my upbringing well that's the truth you have your truth and I have my truth I want to challenge you that if you're a Christian you cannot live by that principle. You cannot live at all with the relative truth principle. Why? Because we believe the truth is found in the Word of God. And the Word of God is the God who is the same yesterday, 
today and forevermore. So regardless of culture changing, regardless of mindsets changing, regardless of the 21st century and all the new stuff that's happening, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so our truth should not be found in our experiences. Our truth should be based on the foundation of the Word of God. If we know the Word, then we know the truth. So when the enemy comes in and he begins to deceive you, you can say, ah, 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 I know that that's wrong. Why? Because I know the word. That's why people get deceived so easily and they fall into temptation. Why? Because when the devil comes and says something like, hey, it's okay. Does the Bible really say that? What's our response? Well, I don't know. I haven't read it. And it's tough. It's tough to stand on something that you don't know. Do you have to memorize it? Not at all. It'd be good if you can. You know, you know, let me be honest with you. Let, well, I've been honest the whole time. I hate saying that. <laughs> Always makes me feel like I've been lying the whole time. And finally, let me, no, no. Let me continue to be honest. I, I actually struggle with, with scripture memorization. I, I struggle even with memorizing my, my sermon. I've got like tons and tons. You can't see it. I've got tons and tons of pages. My memory, I went through a pretty, uh, uh, a pretty significant shocking experience in my early 20s. And I used to have a really great memory. And after that, my memory kind of be, got a little bit shoddy. And I prayed a lot. I prayed God help me with my memory. But my, I, I struggle sometimes uh, with my memory. And so I, I'm the first person that would never put the pressure on you that you have to memorize the Bible and you've got to get it in your spirit so it can come out. If you can do it, awesome, do it. But you know what I do? even though I can't memorize, you know those people that come up to you and you're going through stuff and it's like, yeah, I'm struggling. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's just like Ephesians 4 verse 2, right? And I'm like, yup. Let me just Google Ephesians 4, right? Come on, some of y'all are saying amen. Some of you are like disgusted that I'm your pastor, but I, I don't care because here's the thing. I may not have memorized what Ephesians 4 verse 2 is, but here, here, here's what I do. I keep the Bible close enough to me that I can go to it straight away. And when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, remember, you're not doing this alone. When something happens and the devil comes and sprinkles a bit of truth, but there's deception there, instantly I go, mm, I don't know about that. So instead of making a decision, you know what I do? I go back to the Word. And I find where the truth is in the Word. And if we know the truth, we know how the enemy will try and tempt us. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 11, you know what it says? It says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. We know it. It's all through scripture. We can see how he tempts. He's been tempting men the same way for 6,000 years. He's been tempting women the same way. He's been tempting children and old and young and whatever culture. The devil, he doesn't have new tricks. He's got new ways of doing it, but it's just the same old temptation. Greed, pride, lust. It's the same things. But I want to be someone that can overcome temptation. How do I do it? By being filled with the Spirit. By being led by His Spirit into His presence. By knowing and expecting, hey, it's coming my way. And by building my truth on the Word of God and not just what the next best person is saying or thinking, but the Word of God. And what happens 
if we can actually endure all these temptations. This is the promise that the Bible gives us. In James chapter one, verse two, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Oh, I don't know about you, but I want that crown. I want that crown of life that God has promised. Will there be temptations? Will there be trials? Will there be tests? Yes, there will be. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. But the beautiful thing about what we've determined today and established is that you don't have to do it alone. If you believe in Jesus, if you've given your heart to Jesus, if you've repented of your sins, you're not doing it alone. You've got the helper, the advocate. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you. And like I already read out of 1 John, greater is that Spirit that's in you than the devil that's rolling around the spirit that's in the world. In a moment, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for every person that faces temptation, which I believe would be everyone. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity, wherever you're watching from today, to actually come into a relationship with Jesus. To let his Holy Spirit come and live inside of your life. And the Bible's clear that sin separates us from God. We've missed the mark of how God would want us to live. And a price needs to be paid for that sin. And so Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood, like we just celebrated in communion earlier in our service, when Jesus did that, he was paying the price for the sin that separates us from God. And all we have to do, the Bible says in Romans 10, is come before him with a humble heart, confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died, but he rose again, that Jesus is the only son of God, and he's the only way, the truth, and the life that we can actually get to God. If we can believe that, then we will be saved. Then we can begin to live a holy life and overcome temptation. But we need to do that first step, which is give our hearts to Jesus. So if that's you, and you've never ever made this choice before, or maybe you're watching, you did this a long time ago, but you know you've walked away from God. You you don't have an active relationship with Jesus. Right now, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me and everybody else here. And if you want to pray that prayer, please, please do this. Please put your hand on your heart. If you're with people watching church today, maybe someone invited you over, please ha- have the guts to put your hand on your heart right right there and there in your, in your living room, please. And pray with me. Say these words. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come to you today and I admit my sin. Please forgive me of everything I've done that separated me from you. I confess that you died on the cross, but you defeated the grave rose again for me. So today I ask, please come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my best friend. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening in. At Favor Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.